Thank you for coming on today's podcast. We're going to be reading from a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Book of Miracles by Mark Canfield, Mark, excuse me, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, and Lee Ann Diamond. I met Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen when they were small authors back in the late 80s in a seminar I went to. I got autographed books and material from their buying in their seminar. And they mentioned that someday they were going to have a bestseller. And they're going to chicken soup. I don't know if the name was originated back then. Probably not. But they had their three by five cards, their little dreams. And about 15 cards of dreams, three by fives, and carrying them around all day and just shuffling them every chance they had. I am easily and happily having a best bookseller. I am easily and happily going to the Bahamas. I am easily and happily exercising and toning myself up. I am easily and happily reading books. I am easily and happily being of service. I am easily and happily maintaining my equipment. I am easily and happily teaching and helping out. Your three by five cards with the words, I am easily and happily taking my real estate office. I am easily and happily doing life the way life has been designed. Not taking myself too seriously, thanking God for all hiccups and problems, and being of service to the younger generation. Amen. Now, I'm going to read three stories that were sent in to this book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Book of Miracles. 101 True Stories of Healing, Faith, Divine Intervention, and Answered Prayers. I picked them at random, of course, and I'm starting at number 65. A mother's love for a child is like nothing else in the world, quoted by Agatha Christie. Our son Lane and his girlfriend were at odds again. It seemed to me they disagree about any and everything. As a mother, I was apprehensive when I heard about their engagement. I liked the girl all right, but I wonder whether she was the right one. I have been praying for Lane's mate since the day he was born. Now that he was engaged, I wanted to be sure, and my daily prayer became Lord, if this isn't right, girl, please send the right one. During this prayer one night, I had a vision. With my eyes closed, I saw two girls. No mistake about it. The girl on the left was Lane's betrothed. She appeared as a dark silhouette. The girl on the right was a blue-eyed, vivacious blonde in living color with a smile that brought you joy to my heart. A vision like this had never happened to me before, and I guess I just thought that it must have come from me. I tucked it away in my mental file, but I thought about it a lot. As the wedding date grew drew closer and the church was rented, I became more apprehensive. I prayed for the Lord to intervene if this wasn't the best decision for our son. Two weeks before the wedding was to take place, Lane's fiancé, fell out of love with him and called the whole thing off. He told us his pain would never stop. 
I felt sorry for him. But in my heart, I knew that God had to be working. Amidst the heartbreak, he continued working on his college degree. Two years passed and I prayed daily for Lane. With graduation near, Lane called to give us the name, the time and details. His dad and I talked of our pride in him as we drove the two hours to his college campus. We arrived at his apartment and he told us to wait while he went to pick up a friend he had invited. Twenty minutes later, our son walked in with a beautiful blue-eyed blonde. I gasped when I saw her. She was the very same girl I had seen in my vision two years earlier. I could hardly contain myself, but I kept my mouth closed for fear I would scare them both off. Their friendship grew and grew from May to November when our son called us one day and said, What are you doing November 19th? Would you like to go to a wedding? And the rest is history. Carrie is the most wonderful wife and the mother of two beautiful girls. She likes to remind me that we are like Ruth in the Bible and her mother-in-law Naomi, so that's what we call each other. Ken Ruth and Joanne Naomi. The blue-eyed beauty, blonde, is everything the Lord showed me and more. From Joanne Clayton. Thank you, God. Amen. God answers prayer, folks. I am easily and happily praying for my sons. Number 66, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Summon to pray. This is sent to us by Sharon L. Patterson. And our scripture for today is Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Honey, I'll leave as soon as, as duty is over. That should be right after midnight, my new husband promised. Honey, I'll leave as soon as duty is over. I hung up the phone a newly anxiously anticipated our every other weekend reunion. At that moment, I questioned the sanity of our decision to spend our first year of marriage apart as I completed my teaching degree at UT Arlington and he completed his last year of service at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I straightened up our tiny one-bedroom apartment, then went to bed to await his arrival. In spite of my anxiety, I still managed to fall asleep, dreaming about our weekend together. Suddenly, I was awakened from my sound sleep with a summon to pray as real as if it had just been delivered by a mailman. It was accompanied by an urgent knowledge of what to pray for, my husband's immediate safety. I thought back to another instance just a year before when I had felt an urgent need to pray for him in Vietnam. Later, I received a letter he wrote telling me about a late-night trip back from taking a shower when he nearly stepped on a bush viper. Miraculous, he has seen it just in time. He was not wearing his glasses at that time, and the only light was from a friend's tent where a prohibited candle burned. I wrote back telling him about my urgency to pray for him. On that very same night, we both knew it was the Lord's doing. So now I fell out of bed on my knees. I cried again as I prayed to the Lord. Then, as quickly as the summon had come, it was gone. 
My tears dried and I fell back to sleep. Remarkably peacefully, despite the traumatic awakening, the last thing I remember was glancing at the clock at the nightstand. It was 2.50 a.m. There was a knock on the door. I sat up in bed and looked at the clock again. 6 a.m. I thought to myself, Jen must have not have been able to leave when he originally planned. Then I remembered the urgent call to pray. I rushed to the door, opened it, and there stood my young husband, a bit this heaveled, his right eye covered with a black patch. He quickly answered my questions. A car going only 30 miles per hour with no lights pulled out at a bar onto the highway just outside Fort Worth. My husband was driving 70 miles per hour on the highway, and there was a collision. Our new car was total. The officer at the scene said the other man had been drinking. The only injury to Jim was broken glass in one eye. For some reason, I felt the need to buckle my seatbelt right before getting us to St. Fort Worth, Jim said. He never done that before back then in 1969 when there was no seatbelt laws. Thank God, I gasped, hugging him tighter. What time did this happen? I just checked the time. It was 2.50 in the morning. That's the time she got urged to pray from Sharon Patterson. Thank you, Sharon. Amen. That overwhelming fear is to start praising God, clapping your hands and worshiping God and praying for the person. Thank you, God, for so-and-so. I thank you, God, for so-and-so. You have him in your hands. The blood of Jesus cover him. You thank God for the person that, and God's presence will be around that person. Amen. Any way we can, we can pray for our loved ones. Our last story, amen, is number 67. The power of surrender. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew twenty-one twenty-two. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Or we can put it this way. If you imagine, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, you will get. After losing 150 pounds, I was finally ready for surgery to repair two massive abdominal hernias. In order to repair the hernias, though, my surgeon first needed the extra skin to be removed from my abdomen. And for that, we need the help of a plastic surgeon. For eight months, I jumped through hoops, some of them ridiculous, for the insurance company to meet their requirements for this surgery. I had a secondary condition, hernias, which required the Paniculectium, abdominal skin removal. I had skin issues. I met the weight stability requirement after a massive weight loss, and four doctors said I needed this surgery. Sometime, something folks might not realize is that when someone loses a lot of weight, the result, empty skin, can cause all kinds of problems, especially if you're older and your skin doesn't have the elasticity to snap back. My empty skin hung down mid-thigh. I had broken, I had breakdowns of skin hidden in the crease and folds. My back hurt every day, all day, and the back aches were killers. The hernia pain was excruciating at times, and the size of the hernias made me look beyond pregnant. Sometimes I could hardly stand upright. I jumped through the insurance company hoops for months, 
as I was determined to feel good again. I found the perfect team of doctors. They really got me. They submitted their surgical plans and photos to my insurance company for approval. A surgery date was selected. We got right up to the eve of surgery, and my insurance company denied the surgical request once again. They would cover the hernia surgery, but not the skin removal necessary to be able to do the hernia surgery. Even though I met all the requirements they earlier set out in writing to me, they denied the paniculectomy and instead presented a new list of demands. This was the final decision, and all of my options were exhausted. I realized this was merely a game to them, and they had forgotten that I was a human being, a human being in pain. On my way to work on the following morning, I was still crying over the realization that I would have to live with this chronic back pain for the rest of my life. I was experiencing other unimaginable problems and knowing I would have to struggle with those for the rest of my life left me sick with fear. I was only in my 50s. I lost weight to improve my health and quality of life, not to pick up a whole new set of insurmountable health problems. So I prayed I asked God to teach me how to live with chronic pain. If the surgery really was not going to happen, I prayed, God, please teach me how I can continue to carry around the skin that is causing me pain. I cried because I work hard in therapy to climb out of a depression and get my peace of mind back. And now I find myself sinking back into a depression. God, I prayed, I want my peace of mind back. I knew I need to learn, excuse me, I need to learn to let this go. You just have to show me how because I can't do this anymore. I'm throwing in the towel and I surrender my fears to his care. Then it seemed like God happened, his hands together, cracked his knuckles and said, Now watch me work. I prayed, God, I want my peace of mind back. I need to learn to let this go. You just have to show me how because I can't do this anymore. I'm throwing in the towel. And I surrender my fears to his care. Within the hour, Shelly, the physician assistant from the plastic surgeon's office, called me out at work. Forgetting my earlier prayer of surrender, again picked up my heavy load and started suggesting things we could try. I could take more pictures. I could do all sorts of things. When Shelly finally got my attention, she said that she spoken with the doctor, and he said, tell Jerry we're not going to go through the, her insurance. Tell her I will do the paniculectium for... $500. Jerry had worked so hard and I wanted to be part of making her dreams come true. I was incredulous. Who does this? Who gives so freely, so generously to remove to someone he met only once? I dove under my desk, broke down and sobbed, alarmed my coworker ran and thinking who knows what one only to find me under the desk crying. All those months of playing police, the insurance company game, and being continually denied had taken their toll. I could have continued the fight and legally forced them to comply. With that, they put in writing to me, but instead I accepted God's gift. The surgery was back on track and on schedule. The insurance company couldn't argue with my doctor's compassion. I asked a friend why it had to come to that. Why did I have to go through all that game playing with the insurance company? Why, after I let go of, every, of trying everything in my arsenal to make the surgery happen, did it finally fall in place?
Because, he said, you surrendered. When you surrender your will, God's goodness stepped in. The surgery was a tremendous success. Thirteen pounds of skin were removed from my abdomen and all my organs were put back in place. Imagine carrying around a 13-pound medicine ball for the rest of your life that you could never put down. That's what I had. But today it's a new day. I maintain 170 pounds weight loss for over a year now. I feel like a million bucks and I continue to look for ways to pick up my miracle forward. Jerry Chrysong. Chrysong. C-H-R-R-Y. Song. Amen. You know, one of the things is, is to, for us, if we're sinking in some kind of bad habit, we know, is surrender early. I surrender this before it gets uh, out of hand. There's so much of help available on YouTube. Dr. Berg, B-R-G, Dr. Ekberg, E-K-B-R-G. A lot of doctors, holistic doctors, they give you accurate advice on how to eat properly. Some of these you may have to see them uh, once for 21 days to get it in your subconscious mind and keep taking notes over and over again. If I were in a destructive path, like uh, smoking and drinking or, or using um, substance that I can't stop, I would do that. You know, stop digging by my actions. By, In other words, we ha I had a friend, actually he ran a big church, and he would say, um, before I started exercising, I would watch the exercise people do exercise and stretches and I would eat donuts and drink coffee while watching them exercise for three years or something in that nature. And finally, the imagination kicked in and the person got fit. But, you know, the person never got to a point where they had to get new clothes. It, was, it didn't get to that point. It's just we... The the thing that this article caught to me was that the 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 skin the muscles lose their contact with the skin and as we get older, and lack of exercise, that's a very concern of us to stay toned up. It requires more effort on our part, less eating, more concentration. Glory to God, Amen. May we do all that. May God bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Have a good existence. Goodbye. Greetings, family. Welcome. Welcome to today's podcast. I pray that I find you in good spirits. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Turning wealth into a good thing. 
You know, the when money is in the hands of a good person, good things happen. When money is in the hands of a productive, hardworking individual, jobs are created. Communities thrive. When money is in the hands of a bad person, crime increases. Turning wealth into a good thing. There's an article here in... It's taken from the New Living Translation, their, their Bible, the commentary. It says, in 1 Timothy 6 and 6 through 10 and 17 to 19, out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 and 17 to 19. Let's pray. Let's read about these. It says, Spiritual growth comes when we turn our attention from our own desires and invest our resources in God's priorities. The Bible consistently reminds us that the human heart is constantly tempted to replace the worship of God with idolatry or the worship of things. We are also warned that the love of money is of the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 One of the ways to help guard against this temptation and loosen the world's grip on us is to consistently set aside a portion of our wealth for God's use. In this way, we turn a potential source of evil into a means of for spiritual growth and renewal. When we set aside money for God's use, we, one, demonstrate our loyalty, two, and dependence on God. Our use of money is one of the most tangible evidences of our priorities. We may be able to impress others with our words, but our true colors show when we are called to put our money where our mouth is. When we give to God's work, we remind ourselves that our goal is to give glory to God and advance His kingdom. It also reminds us that we are, we all have come from Him. Two, we participate in God's work here on earth, whether we are able to give small or large amounts. Our money can be used to reach out to others directly or through those who serve in ways and places we cannot. Three, we prepare for great responsibilities. The faithful servant who were each entrusted with a portion of silver were rewarded according to their stewardship. The way we handle our money reveals much about how we handle our lives, preparing us for greater service to God. Above all, we need to remind ourselves that money has a very limited use. It will have no place in the world to come. Contentment is one of our surest defense against the love of money and the corrosive power of greed. Contentment is one of our surest defenses against the love of money. Contentment. I am content. When God said, I am pleased with my son, talking about Jesus, he could have said, I am content. And we are content with God's care for us. I am content. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The funny part about it is when I'm struggling with something, I'm supposed to thank God for it. And do the best I can with it. 
and act like basically it's my my lack of saving and lack of greed for not buying a better product really if you boil it down to is my lack of responsibility other people with the same amount of money with the same amount of opportunity have done have purchased and have done very well so it's not God's poor me fault that my car is falling apart said I didn't um, father is my fault I have not used my income and resources and time and well spent in utilizing or running my company my family as well as I should or could that makes sense to me folks God I blew it I messed up here I am your child what do I have good that's best that I can shine up and appreciate amen let's put it into practice folks it says review the various ways money can be used for good both for us and for others which of these seem most significant to you at this time how would you care rate your contentment quote quote now do you own your wealth or does your wealth own you? Amen. Woo! What a world, huh? Wouldn't it be easier if we had financial angels standing beside us, counselors telling us, you know, and explaining to us what's the best option in situations and what's the best move? Boy, we'd be, uh, be, we'd be more contentment, right? A little reading from Moving Shifts right here. It caught my attention. The uh, chapter 4 of Revelation. It says, uh, In the center, starting with uh, Revelation chapter... Well, let me go ahead and read the whole chapter because it's only 11 verses. It says... Then I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after these things. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was a brilliant as gemstones, jasper, cat. Carnelian and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven lampstands with burning flames. They are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings covered with eyes front and back. The first of his living beings had the form of a lion. The second looked like an ox. The third had a human face and the fourth had 
the form of an eagle with wings spread out as though in flight. Each of these living beings has six wings, and their wings were covered with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship. The one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Amen. Uh, A couple of things I wanted to point out on this. Uh, The worship, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything. It is for your pleasure that they were created. Here we go again. The Lord received our Lord, our God. He's worthy because he is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. That's where glory, honor, and power come from. For you use that glory and that honor and that power to create everything. For it is your pleasure that they exist and were created. There's there's resources used rightly for His pleasure. That's why when we praise the Lord, we say, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We praise you, Lord. You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord, our God, to receive my glory, my praise, and, and worship and sing songs unto him. For the Father seeketh those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. The second point I wanted to bring out on this was the uh, the living beings that had six wings and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. Do you ever see any drawings of these guys? It's amazing how many eyes they have. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying. So, in other words, the elders must have been falling down. They, the 24 uh, thrones around the, the Lord's throne, it says that they were falling. Every time these guys, they worship God, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks, which is another word for worship, For the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created everything, 
and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Kind of interesting to find out what language is this is being said in. And the other interesting thing is the vibrations that these words are being said. Uh, day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy is the Lord of God. The point I'm making, folks, is that there was a constant hum. Eh? If it wasn't for the beast, <clears throat> the beast, is that right? If it wasn't for the living beings, excuse me, um, saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who was, is, and who was still to come. And then the elders are saying, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, and you created everything. It is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Kind of reminds me of a self-existing sun. The sun just burns with power and burns in power. And, and this is power being regenerated. Strength and honor being regenerated for, the, for God is a constant source. What I'm saying, folks, is our words are vibration sources that used rightly we honor God we worship him and we speak his promises that he said to us we speak his promises out loud by singing songs hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord praising him singing songs like this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen. The um, Thank you for singing that with me. So there you go, folks. That's today's study. The fact is that we need to give the Lord pleasure by us singing for all that he's done for us. When Jesus Christ came and gave the Father pleasure, he gave the Father contentment, he satisfied the requirements of the humming of the negative law with the positive hummings of the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where we live. We live in the sounds and the humming of the words of Jesus. Fear not, for I am with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Believe in me, also believe in the Father, for in my Father's house are many mansions. Folks, we're living in another dimension, and we need to speak rightly and sing songs and praise Him. In other words, we speak out His words into the air, and, and allow God to make his word come to pass. Uh, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, My word shall go out from my mouth and not return unto me void, but shall prosper in the thing that I shall send it. It says, uh, verse 11, let me read it to you. 
It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace, verse 12. The mountains and the hills will burst out into song and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Amen. Where once there were thorns and cypress trees will grow, where their briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. Amen. Let's move down to, uh, oh boy, this is so good. This uh, verse 6, 55 verse 6 of Isaiah. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Says the word call. Seek and call. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Then the Lord says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst out into song, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and his love. Be, okay, verse, the next verse, it says, Be just and fair to all, says the Lord. Do what is right and good, for I am coming soon to rescue you. Blessed are those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest by refusing to work. And blessed are those who keep themselves from doing wrong. In verses uh, 1 and 2, the Bible says, God rescues us free of charge. It is a gift. It is not something we can earn by being good enough. While our salvation is not based on the good things we do, our deeds are an important demonstration of our faith in God. By following God's instructions for living, we are demonstrating our obedience to and respect for God. And God's laws leads to a rich, full life. Since he created the world and its people and sustains it, 
he knows what will work for us, best for us and sustain us. Woohoo! Rock is beautiful, beautiful reading. Hey folks, you heard it right here. Why the foundation of speaking God's words is so valuable. Speaking by faith. One of the ways that we can organize and do this, or that I can do that, is when I get up in the morning, sing and praise and worship the Lord and get myself happy. Gratitude, moving my toes, my fingers, thanking Him for a wonderful day. And then come on in and get the little book on God's promises. Drink a big glass of water and say to the water, wonderful water, and charge the words with my with God's words. God said everything is good. So you say to the water, wonderful water. And we're the conduit of God's will here. By giving honor and glory to God, we speak to the water and prayerfully take communion too. Take communion and acknowledge Jesus as the bread of life. And take a little juice and say, this is the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. Amen. Now you're ready. Now we are high priests. Now we take the book of the promises and we go outside and we speak them into the air. So the words of God will take flight. And it's like the Lord says, they'll be, we're like farmers. We're planting words. That are gonna receive, we're going to receive back a harvest. So we're speaking his his words, and he will sustain us and supply for that very day. He will sustain us, hold us, and keep us for that very day, folks. Oh, yeah. In addition to the uh, taking communion, you come back from worshiping Lord, you want to go into the closet and close your door and pray to the Father in secret and your Father in secret will reward you openly, preferably after the communion, on your knees, and do this. I always try to co cooperate with others, and it just slows down the progress. Do it on your own, and then from there, pray with all your heart, three our fathers, and act like your prayer is going to save the world, and you're going to push back the evil. Act like it because it makes a tremendous impact in the atmosphere. And from there, go drink the water, bless the water, and say wonderful water, and go outside and speak the words of God and the promises. Okay, here we go again. Step one, praise and worship and get happy in the morning. Go over gratitude lists ears, eyes, and everything. Walk. Acknowledge the Lord and your body and how good you feel. Two, take communion in your closet. Take communion uh, and say three our fathers. Three, drink a big glass of water and call it wonderful water, spring water. And then speak the words of God into the future, into the air, outside preferably. Just recite them. And go ahead and record yourself so you can listen to it when you're driving around. 
use your recording device on your phone. And then expect something to happen. Expect for your resources to be supplied for that day. Expect that God has heard and believe it's true. Act like God has heard you. Just keep on acting. Say, oh, thank you, God. I did it right. I did I did the requirements that the Lord required for me to worship Him in spirit and truth, acknowledge His Word, acknowledge His Son, and bring in the presence of heaven into our realm. And then, and be joyful you've done your duty. Be joyful and go out through all your day singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, thanking God that you have done your duty to acknowledge the Lord. Amen. Of course, you can do it at noon and in the evening again. You know, if, if you're on a roll and things are happening, then put the metal to the pedal. Pedal to the metal. Keep on keeping on. Wow. Sounds good to me. Usually when I speak a sermon like this or uh, the next day, I end up, okay, I couldn't sleep and I'm wah, wah, wah. And the enemy tries to take me off. He'll attack me. It seems like if I know the truth, he'll come and try to slow me down. He'll get people to keep me on the phone. Like last night, I wanted to read the Word and go to sleep early, and I knew people were going to come. And so I had two calls last night, maybe three. People wanted to talk. People wanted to ring my doorbell. I went to sleep early. And uh, I'm not part of this world. I'm different. I'm peculiar. I'm reading the Word of God. I'm going to sleep early. And that's what I did. That's why I'm up at 3 in the morning. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up His counts and give you peace. And establish you in every good work and achievement and pleasure. And pleasure, folks. And fun and adventure. Amen. We're a joyous, happy, enthusiastic, vibrant people. I love you. God bless you. Amen. today's podcast. I pray that I find you in good spirits. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Turning wealth into a good thing. You know, the when money is in the hands of a good person, good things happen. When money is in the hands of a productive, hardworking individual, jobs are created. Communities thrive. 
When money is in the hands of a bad person, crime increases. Turning wealth into a good thing. There's an article here in, it's taken from the New Living Translation, their, their Bible, the commentary. It says, in 1 Timothy 6 and 6 through 10 and 17 to 19, out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 and 17 to 19. Let's pray. Let's read about these. It says, Spiritual growth comes when we turn our attention from our own desires and invest our resources in God's priorities. The Bible consistently reminds us that the human heart is constantly tempted to replace the worship of God with idolatry or the worship of things. We are also warned that the love of money is of the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 One of the ways to help guard against this temptation and loosen the world's grip on us is to consistently set aside a portion of our wealth for God's use. In this way, we turn a potential source of evil into a means for spiritual growth and renewal. When we set aside money for God's use, we, one, demonstrate our loyalty, two, and dependence on God, Our use of money is one of the most tangible evidences of our priorities. We may be able to impress others with our words, but our true colors show when we are called to put our money where our mouth is. When we give to God's work, we remind ourselves that our goal is to give glory to God and advance His kingdom. It also reminds us that we we all have come from Him. Two, We participate in God's work here on earth, whether we are able to give small or large amounts. Our money can be used to reach out to others directly or through those who serve in ways and places we cannot. Three, we prepare for great responsibilities. The faithful servant who were each entrusted with a portion of silver were rewarded according to their stewardship. The way we handle our money reveals much about how we handle our lives, preparing us for greater service to God. Above all, we need to remind ourselves that money has a very limited use. It will have no place in the world to come. Contentment is one of our surest defense against the love of money and the corrosive power of greed. Contentment is one of our surest defenses against the love of money. Contentment. I am content. When God said, I am pleased with my son, talking about Jesus, he could have said, I am content. And we are content with God's care for us. I am content. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The funny part about it is when I'm struggling with something, I'm supposed to Thank God for it and do the best I can with it and act like basically it's my my lack of saving and lack of grief for not buying a better product. Really, if you boil it down to, it's my lack of responsibility. 
Other people with the same amount of money, with the same amount of opportunity have done, have purchased and have done very well. So it's not God's poor me fault that my car is falling apart. It's that I didn't, I'm, Father, it's my fault. I have not used my income and resources and time and well spent in utilizing or running my company, my family, as well as I should or could. That makes sense to me, folks. God, I blew it. I messed up. Here I am, your child. What do I have good that's best that I can shine up and appreciate? Amen. Let's put it into practice, folks. It says, review the various ways money can be used for good, both for us and for others. Which of these seem most significant to you at this time? How would you rate your contentment? Quote, quote, do you own your wealth or does your wealth own you? Amen. Woo! What a world, huh? Wouldn't it be easier if we had financial angels standing beside us, counselors telling us, you know, and explaining to us what's the best option in situations and what's the best move? Boy, we'd be, uh, be, we be more contentment, right? A little reading from Moving Shifts right here. It caught my attention, the uh, chapter 4 of Revelation. It says, uh, In the center, starting with uh, Revelation chapter... Well, let me go ahead and read the whole chapter because it's only 11 verses. It says... Then I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after these things. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was a brilliant as gemstones, jasper, cat. Carnelian and the glow of an emerald circle his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven lampstands with burning flames." They are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was a shining sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings covered with eyes front and back. The first of his living beings had the form of a lion. The second looked like an ox. The third had a human face and the fourth had the form of an eagle with wings spread out as though in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, 
Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship. The one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Amen. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to point out on this. Um, the worship, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything. It is for your pleasure that they were created. Here we go again. The Lord received our Lord our God. He's worthy because he is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. That's where glory, honor, and power come from. For you use that glory and that honor and that power to create everything. For it is your pleasure that they exist and were created. There's, there's resources used rightly for his pleasure. That's why when we praise the Lord, we say, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We praise you, Lord. You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord, our God, to receive my glory, my praise, and, and worship and sing songs unto him. For the Father seeketh those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. The second point I wanted to bring out on this was the uh, the living beings had, that had six wings and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. You ever see any drawings of these guys? It's amazing how many eyes they have. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying... So, in other words, the elders must have been falling down. They, the 24 uh, thrones around the, the Lord's throne, it says that they were falling. Every time these guys, they worship God, whenever the living beings give glory and honor to thanks, which is another word for worship, for the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Kind of interesting to find out what language is this is being said in. And the other interesting thing is the vibrations that these words 
are being said uh, day after day and night after night they kept on saying holy holy is the Lord of God the point I'm making folks is that there was a constant hum eh? if it wasn't for the beast <clears throat> the beast is that right if it wasn't for the living beings, excuse me, um, saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who was, is, and who was still to come. And then the elders are saying, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, and you created everything. It is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Kind of reminds me of a self-existing sun the sun just burns with power and burns in power and and this is power being regenerated strength and honor being regenerated for the, for God is a constant source what I'm saying folks is our words are vibration sources that use rightly we honor God, we worship Him, and we speak His promises that He said to us. We speak His promises out loud by singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs unto the Lord, praising Him, singing songs like, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen. The um, Thank you for singing that with me. So there you go, folks. That's today's study. The fact is that we need to give the Lord pleasure by us singing for all that he's done for us. When Jesus Christ came and gave the Father pleasure, he gave the Father contentment, he satisfied the requirements of the humming of the negative law with the positive hummings of the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where we live. We live in the sounds and the humming of the words of Jesus. Fear not, for I am with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Believe in me, also believe in the Father, for in my Father's house are many mansions. Folks, we're living in another dimension, and we need to speak rightly and sing songs and praise Him. In other words, we speak out His words into the air, and, and allow God to make his word come to pass. Uh, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, My word shall go out from my mouth and not return unto me void, but shall prosper in the thing that I shall send it. It says, uh, verse 11, let me read it to you. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. 
You will live in joy and peace, verse 12. The mountains and the hills will burst out into song, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Amen. Where once there were thorns and cypress trees will grow, where their briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. Amen. Let's move down to, uh, oh boy, this is so good. Let's, uh, verse 6, 55, verse 6 of Isaiah. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. There's the word call. Seek and call. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Then the Lord says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst out into song, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and his love. Be Okay, verse, the next verse, it says, Be just and fair to all, says the Lord. Do what is right and good, for I am coming soon to rescue you. Blessed are those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest by refusing to work. And blessed are those who keep themselves from doing wrong. In verses uh, 1 and 2, the Bible says, God rescues us free of charge. It is a gift. It is not something we can earn by being good enough. While our salvation is not based on the good things we do, our deeds are important demonstration of our faith in God. By following God's instructions for living, we are demonstrating our obedience to and respect for God. And God's laws leads to a rich, full life Since he created the world and its people and sustains it, he knows what will work best for us and sustain us. Woo-hoo! Rockets. Beautiful, beautiful reading. Hey, folks, you heard it right here. 
why the foundation of speaking God's words is so valuable. Speaking by faith. One of the ways that we can organize and do this, or that I can do that, is when I get up in the morning, sing and praise and worship the Lord and get myself happy. Gratitude, moving my toes, my fingers, thanking Him for a wonderful day. And then come on in and get the little book on God's promises. Drink a big glass of water and say to the water, wonderful water, and charge the words with my with God's words. God said everything is good. So you say to the water, wonderful water. And we're the conduit of God's will here. By giving honor and glory to God, we speak to the water. And preferably take communion too. Take communion and acknowledge Jesus as the bread of life. And take a little juice and say, this is the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. Amen. Now you're ready. Now we are high priests. Now we take the book of the promises and we go outside and we speak them into the air. So the words of God will take flight. And it's like the Lord says, they'll be, we're like farmers. We're planting words. They're going to receive, we're going to receive back a harvest. So we're speaking his his words, and he will sustain us and supply for that very day. He will sustain us and hold us and keep us for that very day, folks. Oh, yeah. In addition to the uh, taking communion, you come back from worshiping Lord, you want to go into the closet and close your door and pray to the Father in secret and your father in secret will reward you openly, preferably after the communion. On your knees and do this. I always try to co cooperate with others and it just slows down the progress. Do it on your own. And then from there, pray with all your heart. Three are fathers. And act like your prayer is going to save the world and you're going to push back the evil. Act like it because it makes a tremendous impact in the atmosphere. And from there, go drink the water, bless the water and say wonderful water and go outside and speak the words of God and the promises. Okay, here we go again. Step one, praise and worship and get happy in the morning. Go over gratitude lists ears, eyes, and everything. Walk. Acknowledge the Lord and your body and how good you feel. Two, take communion in your closet. Take communion and say three are fathers. Three, drink a big glass of water and call it wonderful water, spring water. And then speak the words of God into the future, into the air, outside preferably. Just recite them. And go ahead and record yourself so you can listen to it when you're driving around. Use your recording device on your phone. And then expect something to happen. Expect for your resources to be supplied for that day. Expect 
that God has heard and believe it's true. Act like God has heard you. Just keep on acting. Say, oh, thank you, God. I did it right. I did I did the requirements that the Lord required for me to worship Him in spirit and truth, acknowledge His Word, acknowledge His Son, and bring in the presence of heaven into our realm. And then, and be joyful you've done your duty. Be joyful and go out through all your day singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, thanking God that you have done your duty to acknowledge the Lord. Amen. Of course, you can do it at noon and in the evening again. You know, if, if you're on a roll and things are happening, then put the metal to the pedal. Pedal to the metal. Keep on keeping on. Wow. Sounds good to me. Usually when I speak a sermon like this or the, uh, the next day I end up kind of couldn't sleep and I'm wah, 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 and the enemy tries to take me off. He'll, he'll attack me. It seems like if I know the truth, he'll come and try to slow me down. He'll get people to keep me on the phone. Like last night, I wanted to read the word and go to sleep early and I knew people were going to come and so I had two calls last night, maybe three. People wanted to talk. People wanted to ring my doorbell. I went to sleep early. And uh, I'm not part of this world. I'm different. I'm peculiar. I'm reading the Word of God. I'm going to sleep early. And that's what I did. That's why I'm up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up his counts and give you peace and establish you in every good work and achievement and pleasure. And pleasure, folks, and fun and adventure. Amen. We're a joyous, happy, enthusiastic, vibrant people. I love you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you very much for coming in today's reading of Alcoholic Anonymous. My name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic. I have other alcoholics present with me. Uh, would you please identify yourself? Ray, I'm an alcoholic. Ray, I'm an alcoholic. Hello. Welcome. Okay, let's go ahead and get our meeting started with the uh, set-aside prayer. Lord, we set aside everything we think and know about you. Everything we think we know about Alcoholic Anonymous, everything we know about my fellow man and this program for a fresh new revelation in these areas. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, serenity prayer, please. God, God grant me the grant serenity, me serenity to accept, to accept the things I cannot change. change. The courage to change those things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and start from page 24. I'll go ahead and then Rick and then Ray, okay? The fact, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. 
Rick. Fraser? Yeah. Rick. Go ahead, Rick. Rick. Why is it your turn? Double <laughs> certain consequences. You said you. Jimmy? Ricardo. Oh, okay. Double certain consequences following you think of Blessed Bird not proud of mine and your first. We have these thoughts of Kurt that are hazy and rapidly explained and ultimate their idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a failure against this kind of events that keep one from putting his hands on the stone. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't do that at all. How often have some of us begin to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third report pounded on the bar, and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought surpassed by, well, I'll stop with this drink or what's some ease in out. Where this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution to so those likeness of self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the conventions of our shortcomings, and which uh, progress requires for sensual consummation. We saw, and it really works it out, we had to come and believe in the hopelessness and fertility of life. Now we have been living in one. When we were there, we were approached by those who the problem had been solved. There was nothing else for us to love to do but pick up a simple kit of spiritual tools that lay at our feet. We had found much of heaven had been broken into a fourth dimension of existence, which we had not even dreamed. My turn? Yeah. The great fact that, the great fact is just this and nothing less that we have had deep and affect the spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commitments to accomplish those things for us which we can never do by ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and if we had passed into the region from which there's no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of the intolerable situation as best we could and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did so because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort. Page 62, please. Uh, Selfishness and self-centeredness, we think it's the root of all troubles. We were driven by her forms of self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pitying, we step on our toes and our fellows to retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, sometimes simply without provocation, but we invariably find it, and sometime in the past, we have... A big decision based on himself, which is later places in a position to be hurt. So our troubles with our so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. 
They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will. Run riot through he usually doesn't think so above everything we alcohol us. Alcoholics must be be rid of this selfishness. We must or we must or it kills us. God make, makes that possible, and there often seems many of us have moral and physical convictions galore, but we cannot live up to them. We cannot live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his children. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. Well, it really took a special position. All sorts of remarkable things started to follow. We had a new employer being all powerful and keep providing what we needed. If we kept posting them and four armors work well. Establishing a social footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our own plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. And we felt new power flow in, and we joined peace of mind and discovered how to face life successfully and become conscious of his presence. We began to lose fear of state tomorrow or thereafter we were reborn. Uh, we were? Yes. We were now at step three. Many of us said to the maker, as we understood of God, I offer myself to thee to build with and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better to thee thy will. Take away my that a victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and the way thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could pass ourselves utterly to Amen. Uh, page 76, when ready. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 86, please. So when you think about the 24 hours, we ask God directors. Thinking and especially ask them that we be divorced from self pity that's still on us and self seeking motive. Under these conditions, we can employ a mental faculty which you get with assurance, for after all, God gives brains to use. When our thought life has been placed on a much higher plane than when we are, uh, then when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecisions. We may not be able to determine which course to take. We're asking, here we ask God for inspiration and intuition 
thought or experience. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used, what used to be the bunch, the hunch, or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still in, in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not possible that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for the perception in all sorts of observed actions, and I guess, nevertheless, we will we find that will, as time passes, our thinking will, will, as time passes, be more on the plane of inspiration we come to rely upon it. Amen. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If Sukhah says worry, we ask our wives and friends to join us in morning meditation. Along the religious domination which requires evident morning devotion. We also... We attend that also. If we were not a member of religious bodies, we sometimes select or memorize a few set of prayers which emphasize the principles of that we've been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggested that these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Quick to see where the religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. Okay. Go ahead. Have some day. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action, constantly find ourselves, we are no longer running, running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are in, in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, or we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to like to suit ourselves. It, it works. It really does. Amen. <clears throat> Page 416, please. 416. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion. <clears throat> At that time. And that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain familiarity about the similar similarity. <laughs> Security. As we accept, as, as last we accept, proved to be the, uh, the key to my drinking problem. After a while, after I've been around AA, for seven months, tapered up pills and alcohol, alcohol and pills. Yeah. We did not find the program working very well. We were finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. Of all the else, but that I, of all people, stranger to me, see, you know, I didn't get my permission really, really, and I'm alcoholic, so I say, it's all right with me now. What am I going to do about it? 
when I stopped living in the problem and began living in the house and the problem went away from that moment on I have not one civil compulsion to drink and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today when I'm disturbed it is because I find some person some factor of my life unacceptable to me and I can find no systems around me until I accept that person place in the situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment Nothing happens, nothing happens in God's word by mistake until, until I could accept my alcoholism and cannot slip over unless I accept life completely on life's turn. I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in, me and in my attitude. Amen. Shakespeare said... All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. That we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen if a nice guy like this guy would turn to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It just proves that I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So it's better off I don't know. Don't give advice. Don't figure out. I, I know what's best. I just accept life on life's terms and it's especially my own. And as it actually is before AA, I judge myself by my intentions while the world will judge me by my actions. Acceptance. Acceptance has been the answer to my martial problems. It is as tough. It is as though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, he was a shy, strong adolescent. I was able to see and heard that others couldn't necessarily see things that see things like doing charm, guiding, a gift of easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many others fine qualities. It is it was as if I had rather than a minus touch which turned everything gold to a magnifying mind that magnifying whatever it focused on over the years. As I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married. All these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. <clears throat> then one day in AA, I was told that I have my lens my glasses backwards. I'm encouraged to change the serenity permit, not that I should change my marriage, but rather I should change myself and to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses, and I can then focus my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. <laughs> I can, I can do the same thing with AA meetings. The more, the more I focus on my mind on its defects, they start long, drunk alongs, 
Uncle Logs, River is the worst of meeting gone. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it, it rather than what's wrong with it, better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answers, the answer increases. I like that. All right, page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing. Perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations. But then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level. At least for the time being. Accepting is the key to my relationship with God today. I never sit around just do nothing while it's waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do what's in front of me that needs to be done. I leave the results of him. However, it turns out that's God's will for me. I must keep my magic in my mind on my acceptance and off my patience for My serenity level is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Thank God for AA. 552, please. Five five two. He said, in effect. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be. If you will ask and pray for everything you want for yourself. To give it to you, you will be free. Ask for their health, their proficiency, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them, and your prayers are urgent, you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you'll find out. You'll find you have come to me and want it for them, and you will realize that where you where used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassion, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous, and everything I need, I get, and when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Both you and you, man, must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. You says remarkable things will happen to when we look back and we realize that there are things that we used to come to us, put ourselves in God's hands, that there were better than anything that we could ever plan. If all those things are higher power, and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances are. Amen. 
Page 83, please. Painstaking. If we were painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor will shut the door on it. We will comprehend the... the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the street we have gone, we will see how experience can benefit others. That feeling of business and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfishness and interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people not insecurity will leave us. We will know how to handle situations which used to be powerful. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Amen. Are these are these extravagant promises we think not they are beautiful among us? Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize and work for them. Amen. Page eighty five, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do for alcohol is a sort of fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, or direction from whom who has all knowledge and power. If we are careful to follow his directions, we have begun and sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious and we have begun to develop in a vital success, which well, we must go further. That means more action. Page 43, please. 43. At the bottom, one war of the alcoholic at certain times has no effect, effect of mental treatment against the first drink, except in a rare case, either he or any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense wants to come from a higher power. Dan, beautiful, yes. beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much, guys, for coming here and helping me on my recovery. Okay. Be careful of the 4th of July. Yeah, likewise, man. All right, guys. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend. Take care. See ya. Thanks for coming down. And that is our reading program of our thoughts. Let's go ahead and finish it up with the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the things. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working.